This is One North Stories. Our goal here is quite simple. We provide hyper-local, brand-based storytelling at the intersection of science, technology, and business here in Singapore with a global perspective. We are starting with a launch series focused on technology startups, and then plan to take the podcast broader, telling our stories, your stories, about the Singapore deep tech ecosystem. Whether you work as a venture capitalist on Sand Hill Road or in Southeast Asia, already doing R&D in Singapore, or perhaps a student dreaming big about technology, or someone in between. Join us to learn about the exciting technology being developed in our labs in Singapore, their translation journeys to market, and the inspirational people coming together to make yesterday's dream reality. If you have future episode ideas, segment ideas, or want to partner with us on this exciting journey, please get in touch. Our contact details are in the show notes. These are our stories. We hope they inspire you to create your own. And now, on to the show. I think it's possibly one of the best jobs in the world. I am tasked with going out into the world and finding the, the, the most exciting environmental innovations that are out there, then inviting a, a whole raft of experts to help us to review those solutions to help us choose the finalists and the winners of the prize. And the portfolio name in my job title is about curating an enormous portfolio of thousands of environmental innovations from around the world, who we can help to accelerate just as we help to accelerate the finalists and the winners. The 15 finalists are uh, an inspiration um, to the world. We think those 15 finalists should represent uh, global society, we think everyone in the world should be able to see themselves in, in at least one of those 15 finalists that, that join the stage every year. So it's an incredibly diverse group to get to know, and they can teach each other a lot. They can teach us a lot, and the different energy and the different ideas that they bring to the table are wonderful. Some of the despondency that I mentioned earlier is around. It's just around the world, and it's very easy to, to, to see all the negative uh, impacts on our, on our planet and to become um, stuck in that thought. So we, we want to bring this message of urgent optimism and to, to inspire everyone to see the solutions and get involved in the solutions as an antidote to that despondency and worry of what's happening to the planet. Chris says that he has one of the best jobs in the world. I had always thought that I had one of the best jobs. Unfortunately for Chris, he has to do it from a home base with UK weather, while I get to do mine from the tropics. Today, we have Chris Large on the show. He is the Director of Portfolio and Prize for the Earthshot Prize, an independent foundation that spun out of the Royal Foundation in the UK. They are building awareness and excitement with the goal to accelerate and scale solutions to help repair our planet. After year one in the UK, year two in the US, year three, they've come to Singapore, 2023. Not only for the award show, but to expand their network and partner with our Singapore ecosystem and the greater ASEAN ecosystem. After an introduction to himself, Chris shares about the Earthshot Prize, how it got started, the evolution of the foundation and the prize, why they are in Singapore, and how this week is just the beginning for many Earthshots. We also learn a new term, urgent optimism. It's a bit of an Earthshot tagline, but quite fitting. There is absolute need to act now with the hope and belief that what we do will have a successful impact. 
If you're keen to be nominated for the Earthshot Prize 2024, please get in touch with us at One North Stories. We can put you in connection with a Singapore-based nominator. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to One North Stories. Today I have with me Chris Large, who is the Director of Portfolio and Prize at the Earthshot. Welcome to One North Stories, Chris. Thank you very much, Ruben. It's great to be with you. So we're recording on a Friday. Next week, you have a very big week here in Singapore, announcing your grand winners for 2023. Maybe we can start with a bit of your background. What are your early interests? Entrepreneurship, science, tech, NGO, environmentalism. What were you doing prior to Earthshot? Well, I guess right back in the very beginning, I, I've got my father to thank for a real interest in the natural world. I would be found often just in, in fields and woods in my uh, um, uh, in Derbyshire, my home county in the UK, and uh, spent a lot of time uh, looking at wildlife and, and getting to understand what's so amazing about the natural world. So that, I think, sparked my early interest in the environment. I then uh, I, my, uh, did a degree in biology, and so that's my scientific background. And uh, since then, I've been trying to figure out how to use my uh, uh, the knowledge and, and interest in the environment, but without necessarily being an incredible scientist. And so um, I figured out quite early on I didn't belong in a lab. And so I then got out into the working world and spent a lot of time with a wonderful organization called Global Action Plan, where I spent 16 years inspiring environmental action and joined the Earthshot Prize in 2021. Okay. Did they recruit you or did you find a job posting and just put your hand up? I definitely threw my hat into the ring. It was in the middle of COVID. And I think a lot of people were figuring out what they would do differently with their lives. Yes. I'd say I'd, I'd been with Global Action Plan for 16 years and had a, a great time there. I wasn't particularly looking for a new job, but the Earthshot Prize started to advertise roles. And it didn't take very long of just clicking around a little bit at what the Earthshot Prize is trying to do. To, for me to think it's such an incredible opportunity. I just wanted to be a part of it. Okay, so be part of it. Your current role, Director of Portfolio and Prize. So, so what do you do at Earthshot? Well, I think it's possibly one of the best jobs in the world. I am tasked with going out into the world and finding the, the, the most exciting environmental innovations that are out there, then inviting a, a whole raft of experts to help us to review those solutions to help us choose the finalists and the winners of the prize. And the portfolio name in my job title is about curating an enormous portfolio of thousands of environmental innovations from around the world, who we can help to accelerate just as we help to accelerate the finalists and the winners. Okay, great. Um, take a step back. Maybe could you share a little bit, what's the history of the Earthshot? How did it come to be? And you know, it's kind of ultimate goals of what you and the team are, are trying to do. Well, the origination story of the Earthshot Prize really is from one moment in Africa when Prince William was uh, the president and founder of the Earthshot Prize, was out there with his team exploring a wonderful conservation project. And his question to that project and to the team was, well, this is amazing. Why is it not 10 times as big? Why is it not 10 times as well-funded or 100 times as well-funded? And why are there not more of these out there in the world? And what could, what could he do personally to try to help scale solutions like that? So roll on about 
24 months and a lot of research from uh, the team at the Royal Foundation and the team at Kensington Palace, figuring out what sort of initiative could be born that would support those sorts of grassroots environmental um, programs to scale. And then a thing called the Earthshot Prize was born. Originally, I think it was called something like the Environment Prize, and it went through a whole branding exercise and became the Earthshot Prize with that vision of supporting solutions to speed to scale. In the same way, the Moonshot from the, the 1960s US took this idea that we could set an incredibly audacious goal set a timeline, say by the end of the decade, we'll put a person on the moon and get them back safely. And that's the same sort of idea that we have here with the Earthshot Prize. Within this decade, how many incredible solutions to our environmental problems can we scale in this time? So you say in this decade, does that mean the Earthshot has an expiry or just kind of that's stage one and then see what happens in, in well, 2030s. <laughs> I would love it if it did have an expiry. If by 2030 we had solved all our environmental challenges, then I'm sure we would all very happily retire and, and, and go off and spend our time doing other things. But I think that's unlikely to be the case. We hope we've made uh, some great progress towards the five Earth shots, towards uh, reviving our oceans, protecting and restoring nature, cleaning our air, um, building a waste-free world and fixing the climate. They're the five Earthshot challenges. We hope we've made a lot of progress by 2030 on those challenges, but I'm sure there will still be work to do. And I'm sure that something like the Earthshot Prize will still be, will still be valuable. So I doubt that we will wrap up and okay. <laughs> pack our bags okay. in 2030. Before we started recording, you shared the whole team is about 50 people. Yes. Can you talk a little bit, what does it take to the, like, say run the Earthshot? I mean, some ways 50 is a lot, but some ways, given the ambitions and given the global network and outreach of solutions that, that you want, right, you need to amplify through. So talk us a little bit. Yeah. What does the immediate team do? And then through your partners, what do you achieve as well? Well, yes, there's a couple of engines working at the Earthshot Prize. One is what we think of as this innovation engine, which is about uncovering, uh, understanding, and then accelerating the, the solutions. Um, the second engine is our media and, uh, and promotional engine, which is trying to generate this sense of urgent optimism, that the solutions are out there, that we can all be a part of solving those grand Earthshot challenges and generating this positive sense. When there's so much doom and gloom, there is so much to be achieved and it's so easy to become despondent about the environment, trying to generate this sense that there is a way forward and we can seize that path urgently. So they're the, they're the two engines, and you can imagine we need a, a range of skills from, uh, from scientific understanding through to uh, fundraising, uh, through to then uh, marketing and putting on an incredible show every year is an enormous part of our team's attention. And then as you're right, you rightly mentioned partners. And around the 50 people within the Earthshot Prize is a brilliant network of what we call founding partners. They're the philanthropists that are behind the prize. There's then our Global Alliance, which is a range of NGOs and corporates who are involved in supporting the innovators that we discover and spreading this sense of urgent optimism. And then even further, there are over 300 nominators that nominate to the prize. There are over 60 experts who get involved in judging and assessing the solutions. Um, so our network is enormous. There are hundreds and hundreds of organizations who uh, have very willingly 
jumped on board, given their time to this prize, and they make this prize what it is. Okay, you're here in Singapore next week's the award show for your third iteration. That, that's correct? Yes, our third prize ceremony. Okay, and you mentioned earlier that you came out of the Royal Foundation and now kind of separate from that. Yes. So could you tell, talk a little bit about your evolution of the prize over these, let's say, last four years or so? What's, what's the same? What's evolving? Right. So I think the vision of the Royal Foundation, the way that the Royal Foundation works, is always a, an incubator, finding a, a, an element of societal advancement that they can contribute to, <clears throat> excuse me, where they think there's something lacking and where the Royal Foundation, where, where Prince William is able to make a contribution. And so there was always a path to spinning out of the Royal Foundation. And, and we're incredibly grateful to the platform that the Royal Foundation, all of its team, gave to the prize. And, and now our mission is to make the most of that platform. So what has stayed consistent is the basic ethos of the prize. And we are here to speed solutions to scale and generate this sense of urgent optimism. That's been the same throughout. I guess what we're increasingly learning is just how exciting this prize is to, um, to individuals and to organizations around the world and how they want to jump on board and, and, and become a part of it. And that opens opportunities. So maybe in the future, what we'll be able to do is accelerate um, solutions beyond the 15 finalists every year. It's, it's, these 15 finalists are brilliant flag bearers for their sectors. And the winners who receive a million pounds are in a great place to accelerate that sector. But for every one of those finalists, there are dozens of other brilliant innovators who are also trying to improve those sectors, be it um, accelerating the seaweed economy um, or the next generation of recyclable batteries um, or the next uh, uh, energy generation solution uh, using uh, new forms of renewables, all sorts of innovations. Uh, how can we accelerate those whole sectors? That's one of the major themes that we'll be working on in 2024. Okay. You mentioned earlier you have these uh, five categories. Um, can you share yes. how, how are they chosen? <laughs> or... That was a long conversation. I'm afraid I, I wasn't around at the time that they were chosen. And I, I can only imagine the heartache and pain that, that went through wordsmithing every last word of those five earth shots. I think what we wanted them to achieve is to be truly representative of all the environmental challenges that we face, that recognize the interconnected nature of the entire global world that we live in these days. Every industry on the world, uh, on the planet has a, every industry on the planet has a, an impact on the environment and it can have a positive impact on the environment as well as reducing its neg negative impact. And so it, it's actually quite hard to distinguish between the earth shots quite regularly. When we see nominations coming to us, we quite often think, oh, is that a clean air innovation or is it a climate innovation? Yeah. Because it's actually both. Yes. And so you have to come up with some categories that give the whole thing some form, but we also appreciate that, that solutions are often playing across multiple categories at the same time. And that's totally fine. That's the way the world is. And we all appreciate that. Okay. Have these five categories been consistent across yes. all iterations? Yes, they have. They have. Okay. And so you have the five categories, I assume 15 finals, three finals per category? Exactly. Yes. And so share a little bit what happens to the fifth or what happens. Sorry. Can you share a little bit what happens for the 15 finalists when they come into your program and then get announced as finalists? 
Well, this, this is one of my, my favorite parts of the whole initiative. The 15 finalists are uh, an inspiration um, to the world. We think those 15 finalists should represent uh, global society. We think everyone in the world should be able to see themselves in, in at least one of those 15 finalists that, that join the stage every year. So it's an incredibly diverse group to get to know, and they can teach each other a lot. They can teach us a lot, and the different energy and the different ideas that they bring to the table are wonderful. So it's a, it's a fantastic group to be involved with and a real privilege of, for all of us who are at the Earthshot Prize. It's a real privilege to get to know that group. How we can help that group is through leveraging the platform that we have. There's a year-long fellowship program that all 15 finalists join. Whether they go on to become one of the winners and to scoop the million pound prize or not, all of them are equally loved through the fellowship program. We, we think of the fellowship as a primarily as an opportunity opening exercise, and then partially also as a, as a way to improve the, the skills and the, the insight that those teams in those, in those finalist organizations have. So some of the work is around mentorship, around workshops with incredible speakers and contributors. Major focus is really what opportunities can we open up for those finalists? To give you one, one real example, one of, our, one of our finalists from the first year, a company called Water, which is based in Japan, they create sort of photocopier-sized water treatment plants that work on a kind of localized basis. They could service sort of six or eight households with one of these devices, and they recycle around 97% of wastewater back into potable water. Um, quite often used in disaster zones um, uh, for things like showering and hygiene um, facilities, but have a real infrastructure, like a mainstream infrastructure deployment potential. They've identified that um, low-lying island nations are one of the, the first environments where their invention makes most business sense because water is so scarce and so expensive in those places with desalination being used to, to generate the water that's used in those environments. So, so that business case most works that most rapidly. When they joined us, one of their first asks was whether they could, working through our networks, be introduced to low-lying island nation governments. Okay. And so we, they accompanied us to COP26. We introduced them to folks like the Environment Minister of the Maldives and got them into those conversations where they've since been able to actually deploy their, deploy their equipment in their first low-lying island nations in the Caribbean. Okay. And so you have the 15 finalists, five winners, each winner gets a million pounds. Is that the only difference between the, the winners and Pretty say, much the, the other 10? Yeah. It's, it, it feels almost always that there has to be winners, but I guess we have, we absolutely have to give the money out. Within the fellowship program, yeah, there's the equal focus on all 15 finalists. And, and it, we say to, we always say to the finalists, like whether you become the winner or not, what we all have to do is figure out how you can make the most of this platform. Um, and even to the winners, having a million pounds from us is, of course, great, but it, it's probably less valuable than the whole opportunity that yes. we could potentially be and the potential customers or long-term investors, long-term partners, people that can take your solution to market. That is worth way more than a million pounds in the long term. So let's think about the opportunities we create just as much as how rapidly we can get you your one million pounds yes. if you have become the winner.
So the, the million pounds, any strings attached or it just kind of goes into their operating budget and they spend as they need to scale their solution? As long as it is going towards the ambitions of their, their innovation, there are a few restrictions on just through UK charity law, what we okay. can and can't fund. But as long as it's, it's not that restrictive to the average startup or the average NGO. So typically it is among the most flexible capital that they can access. And we want it to be that way. We want them to be able to, as all startups, we'll, we'll come across new barriers, new unforeseen barriers and figure out new things that they need to spend money on. We would like this to be the most flexible capital that they can access. So you, you mentioned earlier, I mean, you have these 15 finalists, but for every 15 finalists, you probably, you said dozens. So I can imagine you, you shared again, before we started, you know, let's say a thousand, a thousand nominees, and I'll make up the number 500 are probably really fantastic. Uh -huh. So what do you do or can you do for the, let's say the other 485, you know, fantastic solutions right. that, that, that come across your portfolio? So this is the question that uh, in a lot of us at the prize are spending a lot of our time thinking about and really obsessing over is that we, we measure ourselves on how many solutions we can help to speed to scale in this decade. And so if we know for sure, we will be helping 15 finalists a year. So 150 solutions through that mechanism, we will be helping to, to speed their progress forwards. But as you said, Ruben, we have had many hundreds more solutions and lots more finalist worthy solutions in that batch. Uh, in the first three years, we've had two and a half thousand unique nominations. And so we are asking ourselves that question, what, what can we do to support those that don't become finalists? We do definitely see clusters of solutions within our five Earthshot categories, be they plant-based alternatives, be it equitable, renewable energy access, battery technologies. There's a whole range of, of solutions, probably 30 to 50 clusters of solutions that are coming together in that group. So, so 2024 is really going to be the year of us challenging ourselves and opening up the opportunity to our partners and our network to say, hey, look, let's first of all, let's have a look at what we've found. Let's actually dive back into all the nominations that have come in what do they teach us about the world? And should we be drawing some insights from this portfolio that might help the investors in, say, plant-based foods to understand the trends, to understand how their investment dollars can speed that whole sector forward? And then how can we utilize what the Earthshot Prize is good at, our spotlighting potential? How can we utilize that spotlight to help more than the finalists? So maybe there is a cluster of plant-based solutions to take that one example further forward. Maybe there is a way that we could shine a spotlight on a few dozen solutions within that sector and help them to um, find the partners that can help their solutions go to scale, the, the potential future customers, the potential investors in that solution. And maybe also get messages through to the, the authorities, the, the governments that have to regulate these different sectors to let them know what's coming. Well, actually, let them know it's already here. Yeah. And it needs regulation, it needs support, and it needs um, welcoming in as a, as a solution if we're going to have the environmental um, improvement that we want to see in this decade. Okay, great. Thanks. So um, you shared about one finalist, Waters. Any other memorable finalists, winners, nominees, one or two that, that you could share? <laughs> or? Well, so 
Absolutely. I love talking about the finalists and just the way that I do it. I, I, I always say there are, there are no favorites. I, I have um, incredible admiration for all now 45 finalists that we've, we've, uh, we've brought on board. I've had the pleasure to work personally with, um, with, with the vast majority of them. And um, it, it's a real treat and a privilege uh, to do that. Um, so what, I think there's, there's a couple of themes I, 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 I reflect on as I, I look at the, the finalists from, from over the years. One theme is systemic change and, and how uh, an individual solution can be an exemplar of a systemic change to an environmental sector. And so this year's, the new 2023 finalists have got three great examples of changing the, the food system for, as one organization. And so S4S Technologies, Abalobi, and Belterra. S4S is based in India, Abalobi based in South Africa, and Belterra based in Brazil. We, they are all involved in changing the food system. And what we love is that they, they have a technology, they have a product, but they also have created an ecosystem that enables that product to uh, deliver systemic change. Um, so S4S's technologies are able to take produce from smallholder farmers that would have gone to waste, that would never have seen uh, a shop shelf uh, and become a food product, and would have been an entirely wasted income source um, for um, smallholder farmers. They take that produce through conduction drying, they can increase the shelf life of that product, and then maybe even to process that product at the farm gate so that it is able to become an ingredient into a foodstuff. And, and what they've also created is the market. So they actually sell this product with and for the farmers. Okay. So they've not only seen the waste problem and they've produced the technology to solve that waste problem, they've then actually created the market for the produce to that offload. they create. Yeah. To, to offload uh, and offtake that, that, those great produce. Similar, I, I won't go into the two examples, but similar with Abalobi and what they are doing to, to encourage the consumption of sustainable fish catch in South Africa instead of the, the overfished um, fish, which are caught by the fishers and sold by the restaurants in the markets. They've created a system which uses an app to verify sustainably caught fish. And Belterra in Brazil similarly is working with farmers to improve agroforestry, to take degraded farmland, working with the farmers to finance and fund the reforestation of that farmland, and then has also created the offtake agreements so that the agroforestry products are, the farmers then can see that they've got the market and it's a fair price for the foods that they are growing in that new agroforestry way. So I absolutely love that they've got the invention, but they've also curated the ecosystem that means that invention can flourish. So back to Singapore, why is Earthshot in Singapore here, November 2023? Well, um, Earthshot is uh, determined to get around the world uh, over this decade to uh, understand the innovation that's taking place in that world, in that part of the world, um, to be able to bring this message of urgent optimism and, uh, and try and uh, challenge some of the despondency that I mentioned earlier is around. It's just around the world and it's very easy to, to, to see all the negative uh, impacts on our, on our planet and to become um, stuck in that thought. 
So we, we want to bring this message of urgent optimism and to, to inspire everyone to see the solutions and get involved in the solutions as an antidote to that despondency and worry of what's happening to the planet. Why specifically Singapore and why now? It felt a very natural decision to us. Having taken the, the, the prize in the first year in London, our home turf during COVID felt like the right place to, to run the prize in the first year. And then to, then to go to Boston, the home of JFK and the Moonshot Vision, felt like a very natural next stop off on our global tour. And then Singapore with its incredible innovation community, being the gateway to hundreds of millions of people that live in this region in Southeast Asia, and a place with pristine environments, pristine natural environments in, within a radius of a few hundred miles from, from where we sit now. It's such an important part of the world. Um, and so it, it felt like a very natural uh, choice for us to, to say, well, where, where are we going next? Singapore, why not? And what we hope this is not just the, uh, it's not just a stop off on our global tour. We hope that this is the beginning to working with the Singapore innovation industry and in Southeast Asia. And what we're keen to ask our partners while we're here in Singapore for the big jamboree over this next uh, week is what, what can we do together in the coming years to support innovation and how can Earthshot Prize as an initiative support innovation to flourish in Singapore and Southeast Asia over the coming years? Okay, great. And I understand you're going to leave someone here when, when you leave. You, you guys yeah. have, have a full-time employee in Singapore? Yes, we have people here and we have increased increasingly close partnerships with, with our local nominator crew, our local Singapore organizing committee. And I think the focus has very much so far been on getting us to land in Singapore, getting this idea of urgent optimism to flourish and, and to put on the show. But very much 2024 and beyond is a bit of a blank canvas as to how we can utilize the Earthshot Prize brand and the network to support innovation to flourish in this region. Okay, great. We look forward to that blank sheet or let's say half blank sheet. You can help and, us and, fill and, that and, in. Filling, filling <laughs> it in. Can you talk a little bit about, let's say, the environmental impact of administering the prize? It involves resources to, to administer the prize, to build the awareness, to put on the gala. How do you kind of justify that to armchair critics who say maybe that's not the best way to go about raising environmental issues? Of course. I mean, any activity that any individual or any business does has an impact on the environment. It's a choice whether that impact is incredibly negative or, or has a, a minor impact and how much of a positive impact you can have. This is, it, it is forefront of our minds. It takes up a lot of our time and attention, especially when it comes to the, the big show that we put on every year in our awards ceremony. So some of the things that we do to give you an insight, we worked with the BBC in the UK with their Albert team, which is their sustainable productions team, and, and learned how to put on a sustainable production. The uh, awards show that we put on in London in 2021 was one of the most sustainable shows of its type that had ever been created. And that's in how energy is generated, how produce are used, how the sets are put together and made reusable, um, for example. So we put a lot of time and thought into how the production itself will be sustainable. And then travel, of course, is involved. We are on the global mission that we're on. 
it's very difficult to have the impact that we want to have without doing any travel. But we certainly try to minimize the travel. Every one of my colleagues who is here in Singapore has a real purpose for being here, whether it's understanding the innovators that we should be working with and, and improving our knowledge so that we can help all these solutions to scale. And you know, overall, the, the, the overall impact of the Earthshot Prize is undoubtedly a positive environmental benefit. People can get onto our website and download our environmental impact report. We track the metrics of in the five earth shots, how we are protecting hectares of biodiversity, square miles of the ocean, the amount of carbon emissions that are being saved, the waste that's being avoided. Uh, all of those solutions are, all, all of those metrics are being tracked across the solutions that we support. And we track the benefit that we bring to those solutions. So we think we are overwhelmingly a positive influence on the environment through uh, the support that we give to innovators around the world. To give you a, a bit of an idea, since we began, for every, every pound of prize money that we've given out to our winners, we've generated about four pounds worth of uh, support to our broad finalists and winners. So that might be more investment, it might be customer deals, it might be in-kind support from our partners helping with technical assistance to their, the scale-up of these finalists and solutions. So we know we, we are tracking, we know that we are generating a positive influence on how these solutions can speed to scale, whilst also minimizing on a daily basis the impacts that we do have on the environment. Okay, thanks for sharing. Uh, by the time this goes live, the prize will be announced. Mm. I assume you, you can't give us uh, any, any preview on the winners? I knew you'd ask. Do, Absolutely do, not. Do you even know the winners? Are they, they locked up in an I'm, envelope somewhere? I'm one of the lucky few that does because I spend time working with our prize council, which, which makes the decision from the 15 finalists that we present to them, which are the five that will become the winners. So I, I, I was lucky enough to be involved in, that, in supporting that conversation. But absolutely not. There is no Ted way rips. anybody at the Earthshot Prize is going to let anything slip to any of our partners or anybody, no matter how much they ask, um, between now and Tuesday night. Okay, great. So what can you tell us? I mean, after Tuesday night, the winners are announced and then you keep going. So what's next after Tuesday night for, your, for you in your journey? Absolutely. Well, immediately what's next after Tuesday night is that we still have another two days of activities that we're running in Singapore. Uh, we have gatherings of investors, gatherings of nominators. Uh, we have a thought leadership day. Uh, we have some uh, listening sessions with members of indigenous communities to understand how we can uh, make sure the prize is fully appreciative of the indigenous solutions that are being generated and how to support them. So a lot, first of all, immediately in the next 48 hours, we've still got a lot of convening, a lot of learning, a lot of partnership building in Singapore. Then when it comes to Singapore and Southeast Asia, we have to fill in that blank sheet for 2024. What are the top ways that, that the Earthshot Prize can be utilized by the partners that we've now, the new friends that we've made uh, in Singapore in, in 2024? And at the same time, the annual cycle never stops. Uh, so Ruben, as one of our nominators, you, you are already in the thick of trying to find the great solutions that we might recognize as finalists in 2024. Yes. Uh, and the nominating window closes on December the 15th. And, and then me and my team will be immediately into the assessment process for the 2024 
finalists. And so that's where the innovation engine will be. And our marketing engine will be onto thinking about the show in 2024 and the next continent in the world that we will be visiting and how to put on uh, an incredible show there that will inspire this sense of urgent optimism. Okay, great. Thanks. Anything else you want to share today quickly? Um, just a, an incredible sense of gratitude to everyone that we have met in Singapore uh, over this year and, and especially in this week while so many of us are here uh, and putting on events. We're in incredibly grateful to uh, the generosity shown, people providing us venues, people helping us get the word out like yourself, and, and people who are helping us to find innovators and put them forward for the 2024 prize. Okay, great. And where can our audience find more about you, Chris, and Earthshot in general? What's the best way to connect? Definitely the best way to connect is to get to earthshotprize.org, where you can find out all the information about all our winners and finalists from the last three years. And, and you can find me on LinkedIn. If people want to connect, I'd love to. Okay, great. Thanks for your time today, Chris. Thank you so much, Ruben. Are you keen to learn more about Singapore's deep tech ecosystem? One North Stories has more than 20 episodes live, publishing every two weeks. It's impossible to choose a favorite, but try going back to episode two, Sentara. They've been doing amazing things since we recorded the episode, including launching Causeterra, a textile technology to remove CO2 from the air. And with that, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help to grow the show by sharing with a friend or colleague. Please also hit like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to look out for future episodes as we explore the intersection of science, technology, and business in Singapore together.